1: and pushing transgenderism in children. The answers might surprise you. We are today talking to a reporter who has uncovered this over the past few years. Truly shocking revelations. It's really important to know where this is coming from. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com. Use promo code Allie for a good discount. That's goodranchers.com. American meat delivered. Okay, before we get into the conversation with Jennifer, I just wanted to highlight some of the facts that she has revealed in her reporting. She gives a lot of good commentary and extra analysis today, but because I just want to reveal a lot of what she has dug up, it's that important. I kind of wanted to just read some excerpts from her article so you can get all of the context for the other things that she is going to tell us today she has a very unique perspective on this that I think that you're going to get a lot out of so there was an article that was written for the American conservative last year in June foundations are setting the transgender agenda and targeting children and what Jennifer posits what she has found is that this is not just kind of like a bottom-up movement of innocent people trying to be included in society But actually, she says governments, corporations, politicians, medical institutions and schools, banks, pharmaceutical companies, technology, the media and Hollywood are promoting the normalization of body dissociation in children. They're destroying our children's bodies at the altar of gender identity. And they are also silencing critique. She claims that the phrase transgender youth is now normal, but that it was something that was a uh, contrived. She has uh, she talks about this person named Dr. Erica Anderson, who is apparently a gender psychologist who is also. Transgender, So it's a man pretending to be a woman and uh, says that she has kind of helped create or he has kind of helped create this category of transgender youth and getting the public through an interview with 60 Minutes to kind of sympathize with this group as marginalized. There was a journalist by the name of James Kirkup who wondered why so many people who had not known about transgenderism in the early 2010s now. Now, enthusiastically, we're embracing a quote-unquote non-binary identity and transition in 2019 this journalist unearthed some really interesting things. He unearthed a document by Denton's, the world's largest international law form, firm, and Thomas Reuters Foundation, a corporate tax law and media giant um, called Only Adults, Good Practices in Legal Gender Recognition for Youth. It was drafted for the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, and Intersexy Youth and Student Organization to assist in advancing the idea that it's possible for a child to be transgender. These heavily politicized entities have the legal and media clout to make these changes. Trust law is Thomson Reuters pro bono legal program, connecting the most successful law firms and corporate legal teams around the world with high impact NGOs. The foundation works to drive systemic change in society. Reuters is fond of titles that drive the newly minted categories of quote unquote transgender people and people with quote unquote gender identities. And now they are selling us transgender children with their legal guide and their news Items. Dentons was the organization behind the case that became the Supreme Court Bostock decision, which included LGBTQ plus people in the spirit of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, uh, title uh, seven, protecting workers from discrimination based on race and so made it illegal to discriminate against someone based on what they call their Gender identity. And so her point is that there are major corporations, powerful global corporations, along with the World Economic Forum, including corporations like BlackRock, who have a vested interest in pushing this idea of transgender children. There's a lot of money, a lot of power to be made within this industry. As we will talk about today, whether you're talking about the, um, the, Treatments, so-called, that kids have to experience if they say that they're the opposite gender. The fertility treatments, as we've talked about with Jennifer Law in the past, we are talking about lifelong money makers. When you are looking at this newfound category of transgender children, you wed that with the genuine perversion. Uh, That is behind uh, a lot of this push, as we have talked about with Genevieve Gluck. We'll link some of these past episodes in the description of this episode. And you are looking at basically what is essentially a lot of very powerful men making money and having their fantasies fulfilled by trapping kids in perpetual adolescence and rendering them sterile so that they have to rely on the medical industry uh, to live and to one day, if they want to, Reproduce, and so the most powerful and the richest and the most evil entities and individuals in the world are working together to push this from the top down, with the help of the media, with the help of politicians, the most powerful politicians, and with the help of corporations. One of that, fa- one of those families, and we will discuss this a little bit today with Jennifer, is the Pritzker family. You know J.B. Pritzker because he was the governor of Illinois. The Pritzker cousins, as she writes in Tablet Magazine are part of the Hyatt Hotel Empire. Jennifer Pritzker is actually a man saying that uh, he is a woman and he has been a part of this kind of push. He was influential in the Obama White House and uh, how, uh, and has used his philanthropy to help normalize what is called transgenderism and has uh, pushed this idea that human beings cannot be sexually dimorphic, that a uh, sexes essentially just a construct that needs to be deconstructed for the good of the world. Uh, Jennifer writes in Tablet Magazine in 2018, for example, at the Ronald Reagan Medical Center at the University of California, Los Angeles, where the Pritzkers are major donors and hold various titles, the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology advertised several options for young females who think they can be men to have their reproductive organs removed, a procedure called gender-affirming care. Of course, we talked about this several times. There was a psychologist at Kaiser Permanente in Oakland, California, who said that the youngest uh, girl that they have operated on for a quote unquote gender affirming mastectomy, chopping off the healthy breast, the mammary glands of a young woman, of a little girl was 12 years old. We've revealed Boston Children's Hospital, children's hospitals in D.C., in Seattle, across the country, performing these procedures on children, on minors, on teenagers. We're talking about castration. We're talking about double mastectomies. We're talking about hysterectomies on young children. This is all being funded by some of the most powerful, progressive activists, some of the richest people in the world. In 2002, this family donated $30 million to be invested in the University of Chicago School of, uh, of Medicine. And so they are very involved in In the medical world, pushing their ideology, their ideas, trying to get affirmation themselves for their identity through the medical industry. Also in 2002, this person who goes by the name of Jennifer Pritzker founded the Tawani Foundation, which has since provided funding to Howard Brown Health and Rush Memorial Medical Center in Chicago, the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences Foundation Fund, and the University of Minnesota's Institute for Sexual and Gender Health, all of which provide some version of quote-unquote gender care. In the case of the latter clients include gender creative children as well as transgender and gender non-conforming adolescents so this is what is going on and it, gosh this is all it's so intertwined with so many other things that we've talked about Big porn is part of this big tech is part of this big media is part of this big government is part of this big pharma big medicine is part of this Uh, big NGO is a major component in this that I don't even think we've scratched the surface of WPATH World Professional Association of Transgender Health, who used as inspiration for some of their research that then has led to the decision to lower the age of recommendation that they recommend kids going on puberty blockers and getting uh, transgender uh, procedures. The inspiration was based on known pedophiles that they found through this fantasy chat room in which pornography, sexual abuse material is written about boys who never age and uh, boys who are uh, castrated. It's eunuch porn, basically. We talked about that in depth uh, with Genevieve Gluck through her reporting. And so this is all so intricately intertwined this is not some natural phenomenon that is the progression of people being more inclusive and empathetic it is evil it is being pushed on people it is being pushed through social media it is being pushed by very powerful people who want to affirm their own perversions and make you celebrate it if christians are for anything If we are for anything, it is to bring glory to God by pushing back against this darkness. And I appreciate the reporting that Jennifer has done um, in exposing a lot of this stuff and exposing these powerful people who are funding all of this. So we're going to get her commentary and her um, analysis on all of that today. Uh, Before we get into it, let me pause and tell you about a sponsor. Okay, start mail. This is an email service that actually cares about your privacy rather than you being the product that they are making money off of. They are instead making money off of your subscription to their service so that they don't have to try to line their pockets from money that they get from selling your data to third parties. That's what all of these big email services, these free email services do. They look through your emails, and they sell this data to companies that can then advertise to you, and that's how they are making their profit, but not so with Startmail. For a super affordable fee, you are guaranteeing your privacy when it comes to your email. It's an easy-to-use encrypted email provider that keeps data safe, so no one can read, scan, or sell your private information. When you delete an email, it's gone forever it also lets you generate unlimited disposable email addresses so you never have to give out your real email if you don't want to my husband is like a big fan of start mail that's what he uses exclusively so you don't have to worry about trusting big tech with all of your sensitive information you can just use start mail sign up with start mail today you'll get 50% off your first year If you go to startmail.com slash Allie, that's startmail.com slash Allie, half off for the entire year by using my code, startmail.com slash Allie, startmail.com slash Allie. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Could you tell anyone who may not know who you are and what you do?
0: No. (laughs) Well, the reason that I'm on the show here today—I mean, I do a lot of different things—but um, uh, I'm an artist and I'm an activist. Um, I've campaigned for women's rights, uh, the environment, um, and much more recently, the—I've uh, been very active in the uh, uh, combating the gender uh, identity industry.
1: Right. And.
0: Um, I came to that when I was working in uh, doing some environmental work, and um, I noticed that a lot of people started to get, uh, this was about probably 2014 or so, and a lot of people were getting um, censored from discussing this issue of uh, gender identity, which was in all the social justice circles. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, it was kind of dropped into the culture in 2014, like fully formed, like right. this whole ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we we started hearing about this everywhere. You didn't hear about this before that. And then all of a sudden, you had, you know, Laverne Cox was on the cover of Time magazine, and then right. followed quickly by Bruce Jenner was on the cover of Vanity Fair. Um, so yeah, so it became a very, you know, big issue in the culture, and then also in um, activist circles because people couldn't speak about what was happening. And um, I found that very, very alarming. And then Jordan Peterson came onto the scene and he was talking about the uh, censorship in, um, around this issue in Canada. And um, so I became, I started to become very alarmed by this and um, my painting sort of took a backseat to writing at that point because I felt this was very, very, uh, very important you know, we're supposed to be living in a, in a democracy here. And, um, I'm in America, you know, with free speech laws and suddenly nobody can speak. Hmm. So, so I started to delve into this issue. And, um, I found a whole lot of, uh, a lot, of, <laughs> a whole lot of complexity, but, um, what was really prominent was there was a lot of money. A lot of elites were investing in this ideology. And from being in activist circles for a very long time and studying social justice movements um, in history, I know that you know, uh, movements for the people don't come from the top down where this was coming from. Uh, they come from the ground up. The people get so um, fed up you know, with, um, being treated poorly, um, that they rise up and they rise up against the entities, uh, like corporates, corporations and governments, which is where this ideology comes from. It comes Mm -hmm. from the top down Mm -hmm. from the elites. Yeah. So that was really, you know, an eye opener. And then I just sort of went down a big rabbit hole and found, yeah, a lot of, lot of information. And I started a blog, the 11th hour blog, and I started to write about this, and people were really interested. And I, mm-hmm. you know, published on different platforms uh, as well as my own. And uh, here I am.
1: Here you are? a um, oh.
0: little bit less than a decade later.
1: Yeah. Uh, just let's
0: that rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about that rabbit hole. Let's talk about this top down system that is pushing this ideology, because we are made to believe, just like we're made to believe uh, about a lot of different aspects of social justice activism, that it is all starting with a grassroots. It all started with these poor little kids who felt like they were misunderstood and these people who were unfairly marginalized by the world, just trying to get understanding and acceptance. That's what we're told. But through your reporting, you found, as you just mentioned, that it's actually coming from elites. It's actually coming from powerful entities, very rich individuals and corporations, and it's being pushed on everyone else. Tell us how you figured that out and what exactly you mean by that. Who are these people?
0: Well, Big question. Um... It's a big question. And there's a, actually a lot of people involved in this, but there are some key players that I've sort of tapped into. And I use them a lot as an example because they're an example of, of how our uh, our countries are run. You know, people think they are living in democracies and their their democracies are run by politicians that they vote for. But in actuality, it's being, you know, our our, our countries are being run by big finance. Um, and, you know, like it's it's like a pyramid, you know, you've got big finance at the top, you know, these humongous uh, investment houses like uh, BlackRock and Vanguard. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, they sort of control the whole show, you know, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. monitoring and um, um, uh, basically uh, choosing the information that's going to go back, go out, you know, like you think you're reading um, something on, say, Glamour. Glamour Magazine platform or the Sports Illustrated platform. But, you know, when you follow the money up from those, those platforms, they're part of big conglomerations that are owned by these big finance houses. And these finance houses all have an investment in the gender identity industry. Now, the biggest question here, which nobody seems to be asking, I mean, I ask it, and there are, of course, other people that ask it, but Generally speaking, everybody just accepts the narrative. Nobody asks why would our societies be overhauled Mm -hmm. in a nanosecond of evolution to with this bizarre ideology and everybody across the board, governments, non-governmental organizations, schools, universities, politicians, the elite, everybody's just going along with the narrative that suddenly there are gender people. I mean, it's absolute insanity. So how is this, how are people believing this? I mean, this is only in our cultures, 10 years old. Hmm. And yet people are running around saying, yes, there are gender people. There are people born in wrong bodies. I mean, you, this is this is pretty bizarre, right? Um, But the media, you know, that's basically selling this is, is, um, is controlled. You know, uh, I had somebody, um, on my Twitter platform this morning, it was in messenger, uh, and I had just put up a a blog post last night and they said, you know, three years ago, I thought you were wearing a tinfoil hat. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Now I'm terrified. Right. And, um, it sounds like so conspiratorial and crazy. I mean, it sounds that way to me, but I know that money trails don't lie and the money leads back to elites in the, in the techno medical complex. For instance, you have at the very seat of this ideology is a man called Martin Rothblatt. Um, he's, a He's an uh, American entrepreneur, a lawyer. He's a co-creator of Sirius XM radio. He's um, been involved in the human genome project at the UN level. He's uh, been the, uh, he's owned a massive biopharmaceutical corporation, United Therapeutics. He started a technological religion. He has done like so many things. He's created a robot of his wife, he's um he's highly renowned in um in media circles in political circles in technological circles um etc cetera, etc cetera. so he has access to all these different um circles of of society um at the elite level and he's driving an ideology his own ideology um of disembodiment he believes that uh, sexual dimorphism is tantamount to South African apartheid. Mm. That the way to free ourselves from gender stereotypes um, is to dismantle um, men, and, men and women. Mm-hmm. Literally, not just figuratively, but literally dismantle them. Mm. Um, and that going forward, we can um, upload ourselves into cyberspace. Um, Now, that sounds kind of crazy, but he's not the only one that's talking like that. You've got Yuval Harari, who's the uh, right-hand man of uh, Klaus Schwab at the WEF Forum, the World Economic Forum, you know, touting a virtual reality that's going to be overlaid on the um, natural world, and um, that that's coming fairly soon, that we're going to be a completely different species, you know, relatively soon.
1: It's very brave uh, new worldish.
0: It is brave new worldish, but you know, it's it's really you know you've got uh, Mark Zuckerberg talking about a metaverse. You've got Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. He's talking about a neural link. We're all, ne- you know, linked together by a you know by cyber connections, you know. Mm.
1: So, I've never, I haven't really heard, I haven't really heard this assertion, but I mean, it makes sense. I think a lot of the evil in our world today comes from the World Economic Forum. And I always just kind of thought that the whole transgender push was, and maybe, maybe it is, I don't know if you would agree with this, is to push depopulation because it very often leads to sexual dysfunction and permanent sterility. We know that that is a goal of the World Economic Forum. They are constantly talking about the problems of overpopulation. And I also kind of figured that it was just a way to make the West weak. The West and certainly any form of National pride and patriotism, especially in the United States, is something that is directly against the plans of the World Economic Forum, who want to create like a form of internationalism and international government. And if you've got a bunch of people who are confused, sexually dysfunctional, who can't even understand the human body or their selves or other people— then that country, that society becomes vulnerable very quickly to some kind of takeover. But what you are also asserting is that these elites of obsession with like hybrids or with kind of I don't robots, I guess, um, and like the whole Neuralink thing, being able to control the human mind through a microchip that is like put inside your brain sounds so crazy. You're saying that that, their obsession with that, basically redefining Existence, redefining what it means to be human. Um, that well, has to I mean, do no, with their identity redefinition identity of gender. Identity. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry too. I just, just interrupted you. But um, that's what gender ide- ideology does. Is it it unmores us from reality? Yeah. You know our roots as as a species, as human beings, uh, to the to the biosphere, to reality, uh, is through sex our sex, that's how we're rooted there. Um, <clears throat> and that's why it's being medically, uh, socially, politically uh, attacked, sex, human sex. Um, they are deconstructing it to move uh, reproduction to the tech sector because that's the first sort of phase to moving us into a cyber world. Hmm. Um, so you won't need your bodies. This is why male and female, they want to make it irrelevant because they want to move reproduction to the tech sector, right? And, public without some kind of other narrative, they'd never buy it. Right. So they, what they've done is they're selling it through the, um, LGBT, the LGB human rights organization, um, or movement, um, which was a valid movement. You know, people that are same sex attracted, this really has nothing to do with that you know, being same-sex attracted. You're same-sex attracted, you're not asking anything of anybody else just to live with respect. These people, this this whole, th- these people, these people are not really these people. These people are us. I mean, you know, they call themselves transgender, but, you know, they're not really changing anything about them. So they're not transing from one thing to another. They're just men and women.
1: Yeah, I, I, know, mean, I, I just to just to insert really fast. I'm not sure if I totally agree that it is completely outside of the LGBTQ. I mean, I, I know that we probably disagree on that, and that's fine. But it is kind of a similar premise—the idea that like. Two men can get together and raise a child. Two women can get together and raise a child. It is based on this idea that men and women are interchangeable, that mothers and fathers are interchangeable, that there's nothing unique about a woman that she brings to the table in parenthood or marriage. There's nothing unique about a man that he brings to the table in parenthood or marriage. They're just interchangeable based on kind of how you feel. And transgenderism, gender ideology says... I mean, men and women don't have, like, their bodies are kind of arbitrary. It just depends on how you feel. So I do see, I do see the ideological connection there. I mean, it's not completely disconnected.
0: But, you know, I mean, lesbians and gay men are raising children very happily and healthily, you know. Um, so that's not really the issue. Do you know what I mean? Uh,
1: well, I just think that men and women are I mean, interchangeable that's not like and that. So mothers and fathers aren't interchangeable. But I just wanted to make sure that, you know, my audience knows that we have kind of something, a differing opinion there. um, Yeah. And that's that's fine. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit more about how they are trying to push this through LGBTQ activism, which I agree with, but that it's really about something more.
0: There's two reasons. I mean, um, well, there's a few reasons. One of them is that, you know, You you want to open markets. If you have an industry, you want to open markets constantly. This is how you you, uh, uh, progress as a corporation, as an industry. So the LGB uh, social justice movement was really colonized by corporatism during the AIDS crisis. This is specifically the medical uh, corporate uh, part of our uh, countries. Because men were getting sick. And so there was a whole apparatus built up um, to teach the um the community and also uh society uh what how this was being transferred, why gay men were getting sick, how to help themselves um, et cetera et cetera and they never really left you know so the medical industry has been in the, involved in this social justice movement since they first came up um, so so anyway, you know, if you want to open markets, so they've become like LGB became corporatized identities because, you know, they needed medical help, right? Um, so then, um, you know, AIDS was brought under control probably uh, 1990, late 80s, 1990 in the United States. Um, so it, it was kind of like, well, now what, you know? You have all this money invested in helping this group of people. um, And philanthropic money is coming in. And what are we going to do now? Because that's all going to go away if this issue goes away, right? So then the next big thing was um, these institutions came up, these LGBT NGOs. They weren't LGBT NGOs at that point around 1994 to 2000. Um, But they became, uh, they added the T later on, like around 2005. Um, And so this was like opening markets in sexual identity, and you can't really do that if you have a sexually dimorphic species. You have lesbian, gay, bisexual, and you have heterosexual, who you market to. They're a marketing constituency now, right? But you can't open your market with a sexually dimorphic species. So, but if you add gender identity and this whole ideology that sex is actually on a spectrum and there's as many identities as there are people, sex, sex identities as there are people, then you've widely opened your market, hmm. right? That's interesting. And then also, you know, it's already got a human rights framework and the society has really accepted, you know, for the most part, I, you know, a lot, a lot more, you know, acceptance for lesbian, gay and bisexual people. Everybody has one in their family. It's not a big deal anymore, almost, right? I'm speaking comparatively, right? So um, it's a great way to market this, you know, this this body dissociation, you know, Mm -hmm. because you can't market it like that. It started out as a fetish of adult men, you know, appropriating, coveting women's biology for themselves. First their clothes, and then when medical tech, uh, advanced their body parts. Right. Uh, but you can't sell a sexual, uh, fetish of adult men to children. Mm. You have to, you know, you have to do something about that. So you need a rebranding, right. right. Hence transgenderism. Um, it's kind of cool. It's edgy. The kids are like, uh, you know, it, they're eating it up They're yeah. It's being marketed to them and they're buying it. Yeah. You know, it's all over their social media. I mean,
1: it's the flag yeah. is literally baby colors. It's literally little kid colors. Exactly. And so you use like rainbow flashy colors, sparkles. You get men dressed up in these pretty princess outfits. I mean, there is a lot of like there there's a lot of infantilizing going on in a lot of the transgender propaganda from the look of the flag itself, which is really disturbing.
0: Well, and also you have, like, in, um, you know, lesbian women and gay men are going to need assisted fertility, you know, to have children if they want to have their own children. So this is the big tie-in right here, right? Because uh, they're sterilizing a whole generation of children here. Um, And these children are going to need assisted reproduction. And this is how, you know, this is how it's going to slowly sort of uh, morph over to the tech industry. In, um, 2021 in the UK, they had this international, uh, family, modern family, uh, event, uh, for all these people coming from all over the world to, um, you know, uh, for like a several day event, um, that was about planning your family through, uh, tech. So they had like, uh, um, surrogacy, um, organizations, corporations, and they had, uh, lawyers that dealt with surrogacy, you know, um, marketing their, uh, their services. Um, they had workshops on egg freezing and intrauterine insemination and, uh, genetic screening and AI facial recognition so that you could, you know, pick a child that will look, um, like you. Um, and they had a couple of little, uh, they had a couple of little booths on adoption. (laughs) Um, so this is, this is what's going on here. I mean, that you're sterilizing all these people and many of the people that are investing in like gender, um, clinics now are also investing in, um, the assisted fertility market. You know, like Jeff Bezos has got, you know, hormones on his Amazon platform, cross-sex hormones. He's got a fertility platform on there now. Um, and he invests in a gender clinic in Brooklyn, uh, to the tune of, uh, 66 million dollars, I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Salesforce guy, what's his name? Mark Benioff, uh, of Salesforce and he owns Time Magazine, um, where Laverne Cox was posed on the cover. He, he, uh, he's invested in big fertility, um, and he's marketing this, um, this ideology through his media platform, and he's also investing in gender clinics. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so so yeah, so then you have so you have Martin Rothblatt at the seat of this at, of this agenda. He's actually was the first author of the first gender bill, where all the other gender bills have morphed from, right? And then you have John Stryker. And he's, you know, built a, a major medical, biomedical corporation, right? Then you have John Stryker of Arcus Foundation, which is the most significant LGBT NGO in America and probably the world. Um, they're absolutely ginormous. Their tentacles are everywhere. Uh, John Stryker is heir to uh, a multi-billion dollar medical supply corporation, Stryker Medical. He uses his stock in that company to, um, to fund Arcus Foundation. Which um, funds other LGBT organizations and um, universities and medical centers um, and educational um, uh, educational organizations that will go out into the community and you know uh, promote gender ideology um, organizations that work with the media to sell this and how to package it. Um, he's given major, major Buku money to the ACLU, who are fighting the different states in the United States, um, who are trying to fight back against this ideology. Um, Yeah, so he has this investment. He's got this major medical supply corporation that's in 75 different countries. You know, uh, it was worth worth just over 13 billion in uh, 2020, and now it's worth uh, 17.6 billion, I think, or 17.1 billion. You get into the billions, it almost doesn't matter, right? It's billions, you know. Um, and then you have you have Tim Gill, who started the the, the second most um, uh, important LGBT NGO in the United States, the Gill Foundation, and he's poured at least half a billion dollars of his own money into his LGBT NGO, also spreading this ideology. Now he comes out of software, computer software, uh, Quark Press, um, and he, uh, he's moved on now to um, artificial intelligence, uh, home artificial intelligence and business artificial intelligence um, systems. And um, yeah. Yeah, so you know, so you have you know George Soros, his Open Society Foundation has given uh, just tons, tons of money to to this issue, and he's you know he's completely hooked up into pharma. And, he's and got, tell
1: me about the tell me about the Pritzkers.
0: Now uh, the Pritzkers. Oh, thank you. I'm not going to forget the Pritzkers. <laughs> you know Jennifer Pritzker. Oh, I forgot to say that Martin Rothblatt also is is a man. You know, and he runs around with uh, women's breasts. You know, with the uh, really the sense of entitlement that only a, you know, a man could, could carry them off. Yeah, <laughs>
1: a lot of these very rich men that are funding this are men who pretend to be women.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so Jennifer Pritzker is another one. He's, he's uh, part of the uh, Pritzker family, <clears throat> one of the richest well, like families J. in Like J.B. Pritzker? J.B. Pritzker is his cousin. Penny Pritzker, who was the secretary of commerce, I think, for Obama. Secretary of something for Obama, something important I forgot, it's terrible. My mind is like a sieve. Um, Yeah, but she helped actually get Obama elected, who became the trans president, you know, who started passing all these bills for transgender people. Now, you have to realize, you know, 10 years ago, this was a minuscule part of the population. So tiny, you know, nobody even thought about them. You know, they were called transsexuals. You know, a lot of them were involved in the sex industry, Uh, you know, They'd show up on TV shows once in a while as those characters, you know, but they weren't centralized in any way in the narrative of the culture um, until transgenderism was dropped on the culture. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And suddenly it's everywhere, along with their logo, which is this pink, white, and blue flag. It's corporatism. It's complete and total corporatism. It has nothing to do with human rights. Nobody has a right to to. identify out of being human, a sexually dimorphic species, and then expect rights to be bestowed upon them for this process, right? You're basically identifying out of the human race. And that's the point. This is a grooming mechanism for other augmented humans coming down the road. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think it was Chile uh, just passed a law last year of, for, for the rights of augmented humans. Hmm. You know? And this is also going to come in through um, the disability sector. You know, like the Neuralink, uh, Elon Musk's Neuralink, is going to be used for depressive disorders, uh, Alzheimer's, um, et etc. et cetera. You know, these bionic arms and uh, uh, technological... Uh, Additions to humans can be used for people that have lost limbs. Right. So that's going to be introduced gradually through these 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 areas, you know, reproduction, you know, assisted fertility and, um, you know, and you know, people that the uh, people that are disabled and have uh, diseases. You know, so it's going to come in through through yeah. different apps. But so, you know, so already just as it is, you know, you're selling surgeries to people that are going to be uh, the marketing uh, end of this. Uh, the surgeries will be in the billions by 2026. You know, mm. um, the. The cross-sex hormones and the puberty block blockers. Right now, if you have children, if you have 100 children on puberty blockers for seven years, you've already amassed 27 million dollars. Yeah. In, in wow. You know, capital. Yeah. So, and that's not even counting the cross-sex hormones. That right. that that's too. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the surgeries. And that doesn't account for any of the uh, future manipulations you'll want to have on your face, on your body. Now they're carving up their shoulders, you know, uh, to appear more feminine. But this is all this is all so it's it's so beyond medical profiteering. I mean, it is medical profiteering and it is it's like it's horrible. I mean, this is this will exceed the opioid crisis by by. You know, that it'll just blow it out of the water, you know, in terms of profiteering. Um, But it's to rearrange society for this madness is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's so dangerous because we don't know. um, You know, children are learning that sex doesn't matter. Their roots in the real world don't matter. This is what connects you to the rest of the ecosphere. You know, the rest of the world, sex, and they're cutting your roots off. Why are they doing that? They're not doing this because, you know, some people have dysphoria about their genitalia. I mean, that's nonsense. You know, people have dysphoria about their limbs. We don't go about chopping them up and putting them on magazine covers and selling them this as a lifestyle. You know, we don't put anorexics on the cover you know, of magazines. Well, we do, but we don't call it that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Promote it as an actual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a form of body dysmorphia. People, how, we live in a dissociated world. We're mm-hmm. so dissociated. We don't know where our food comes from. We don't know where our, what, what's in our food. We don't see, see our families. But once a year at Christmas, a lot of us, you know, we're always on the computer. We're always on the phone. We're in our cars. We're in these little cubicles at work. We don't really hang out in the biosphere where we're attached. We're already part of uh, a sort of semi-virtual reality, and cutting off, cutting us off from sex just, um, uh, you know, it uh, uh, it accelerates that process. Yeah. You know that, that dissociation.
1: Okay, I am so excited to tell you about the Dwell app. It's a Bible app that reads the Bible to you. They also have like a a read-along feature so you can read the Bible as you're listening. But I love just listening. So I'm like most of you. I'm a busy mom. As much as I would love to sit down for an hour and a half every morning 5 a.m. with my coffee and read all of the commentaries and compare the original Greek and Hebrew to my modern ESV version, I just don't I don't have time for that and I'm sure you don't either but that is not an excuse to not read the Bible and so I listen to the dwell app every morning and it's really just been so helpful to me I am still hiding God's word in my heart without the pressure of having to carve an hour and a half out of my day um, to actually sit there and read the Bible this way I can be in the car I can be making lunches for the day I can be cleaning the dishes, and I can be dwelling on God's word. And of course, we know the effect that has on our hearts and mind. And so if you've got a New Year's resolution to read the Bible, but you're like, hey, I just feel like I don't have time. Well, we Always have time for the things that we really care about, but also this could be an easier way for you to make sure that you are still reading the Bible, even with all of the things that you've got going on in your life. So to get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash relatable, get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for Life. That 33% off means you save $50, so make sure to visit dwellapp.io dwellapp.io slash relatable commit to scripture for the rest of this year or for life dwellapp.io slash relatable dwellapp.io slash relatable tell us why it is important to stand our ground when it comes to the clarity of language that we have you've talked about like the introduction of words like gender identity transgenderism um using different pronouns there are people in other countries who are getting arrested for being clear on that so just tell us why it's important to stand strong.
0: Well, that's why they're getting arrested that because they're trying to actually engineer reality for us. Um, they think that technology is God. They're making God with technology, That you know, this has actually been said, you know, uh Yuval Harari, uh, Klaus Schwab's man has actually said this. We're creating God with technology. Um, and, You know, so the way that they're rearranging reality is through words and propaganda. And they're doing this over the same tech that is changing us already so deeply. You know, I can't even read a full book anymore. I used to be a voracious reader. I mean, I'd read at least, you know, a book every two weeks. Um, And now I can't even read a whole book. I just can't do it. I've been changed by reading so much on the internet. That's just the least of it. But our minds and the way that we think are being changed. Now, plus the media is so uh, disingenuous and they're, they're so politically and corporately controlled that you know, you're know you getting all these different messages. You don't even know what's real anymore. So then you, you, you change that our, our species, like we don't even know if we're, you, know, you don't even know if you're dating a male or a female or at least in 20 years they might have that capacity to make people look very, very much like the opposite sex so that you don't know. I mean, it certainly happened to some people you know, they wound up in a relationship with somebody and then that person like lays on you that they're actually not that sex. They're the opposite sex. You know, I mean, this is who we are. Sex matters, you know, sex matters. You know, if you're uh, in a medical situation, there was one woman who died because she was presenting as a man in an emergency room and they didn't know to look for whether or not she was pregnant. And she hemorrhaged, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and there's all sorts of uh, medical reasons to know the difference between a male and a female. But the fact is we are male and female. We are part of a whole biosphere that is separated by sex. Mm-hmm. That's reality. So to deconstruct that is so dangerous and mm-hmm. they're deconstructing it with language. They're creating a fictitious, uh, human being, a transgender person. There's no transgender person. Right. We're exactly. all male and female, even peoples with disorders of sexual development are either male or female Mm -hmm. with disorders of sexual development. Yep. Yep. So we have to stop. We have to stop investing in this illusion because it really is. It's a virtual reality. Yeah. These people are consumers. They are consumers of synthetic sex identities through medical and technological manipulation. So far, they don't actually transition to anything else. But this is what they're working towards. And this is a grooming process for that.
1: Yes, it is. Something that you're not allowed to say on Twitter, but it's absolutely true. Well, I'm thankful. Thank
0: God for you, Allie. What'd you say? I said, thank God for you.
1: Yeah, well, you too. And thanks for saying that last part, that most people are not willing to say that there's no such thing as transgender. It is a word. It's a term. But no one in the history of the world has ever been anything other than the sex that they are. Exactly. Um, so I think it's important to go there and to actually start there. We That's the premise of all Absolutely of this.
0: Right. We have to go there and more and more have to people have to step up and go there and they have to go there fast because th- these people are moving really, really fast now.
1: Yep. And <laughs> when money is involved and power is involved and a grand vision of the transformation of the world and societies uh, is involved. It's really hard to combat. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of courage. So thank you so much. Uh, tell us again where people can find you, how they can support you, how they can look at your reporting.
0: Um, I am at the 11thhourblog.com. The 11th is numerical. And I also have a Substack, stack uh, Jennifer Billick's newsletter, uh, where I write about the same thing. And I'm on Twitter at VJPortraits. Um, and at the 11th blog and I'm on Facebook as myself and I'm on Instagram as the 11th hour blog.
1: Great. Yeah. So
0: Great. all over the map. Well, thank
1: you so much. Thanks so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to come I really on and uh, Yeah. I do encourage people to follow you and to check out your good work. So thank you.
0: Pleasure.